Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Britton. And I'm Fake Happy 2. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> and this week, we are talking about Back to the Future Part 2. And hopefully Skype won't cut out on us and be terrible. We're still working on the audio, by the way. <laughs> hopefully it will get progressively better as we I'd be go. very surprised if it doesn't sound a lot better than last week's. We'll, we'll yeah. see if we can continue to improve. Yeah. But uh, Back to the Future Part 2 from 1989, directed by Robert Zemeckis. It has a 63% audience or critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 85% audience score. And it bothers me that that critic score is so low. Yeah, that's surprising. I would not have expected that. Yeah, it's interesting so, that the audience score is that high, though. On the other hand, like that's that's, that's a pretty decent difference for. Yeah, they had twenty two percent. Yeah, so who wants to go first? Best thing, worst thing. Tyler, you want to take it? Sure. I feel like I never go first. Oh, I'll, I'll do it this time. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah um, buddy. <laughs> Listen, so if I, you want to talk about something, you can you can do it. <laughs> like I mean, they can't see our faces on this this thing, which screws everything up. I'm glad um, you said something, though. Yeah, go ahead. Because I'm used to looking at a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my they both kind of have my favorite and least favorite thing. Both kind of have to do with the little specific things that kind of embodied my favorite and least favorite things about the movie. Um. My least favorite thing is probably they they add in the running, not even a gag necessarily, just um, I don't know what you'd call it, but a plot point. Yeah, I guess like, um, but where the, it constantly comes up where people call Marty chicken and he can't like run away from a fight when that happens. Um, yeah, it's like this trigger that as soon as someone calls him a chicken, he's gonna do whatever yeah. they said he couldn't do. Which is not something that ever came up in the first movie and. We'll, we'll see this in the third movie where it's kind of used as like a payoff thing and like there there is actual reason to do it but it's specifically put in there because they wanted to have a through line for the second and third movie like it's it's very much contained to the two of those and it just feels kind of flat compared to especially to Crispin Glover's arc in the first one mm. where um, Marty's dad like actually goes through really this this really well done like progression of him kind of you know coming to understand that he needs to stand up for himself and how that changes the future and everything. Whereas this is just kind of like, it's very heavy handed. Yeah. Is, is the best way I can put it. Where, and like, in a movie that, that, that connected itself to its unintentional prequel so well, that it, that does kind of stand out. Cause otherwise this yeah. movie jumps off of the first one exactly. largely very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and because I guess the, the the biggest thing is the fact that it feels like there's a very subtle difference between, I mean it's 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 big, but there it, it's not that big between, um, George McFly in the few in the two different futures we see in the first movie or presence, I guess. Yeah. Um, like obviously the, he's a very different character, but at the same time he still has very similar like like mannerisms, and it doesn't feel like a different person necessarily. It's just that he's got some more confidence and like he. Like, he's still kind of got his weird kind of, like, stuttering and, and, and that sort of thing, but it he comes across as, as a, a different character that's just been changed ever so slightly. And that's, I guess that's why I like it so much. Whereas this one, it's just very heavy-handed. Oh, this is the thing that screws up Marty's life. I don't know. It, yeah. We can talk about that more in the next movie as well, but it, it, it rubs me the wrong way. 
Um, my Agreed. F- my favorite thing, there's specifically a, a, an exchange of dialogue where um, Doc Brown is picking Marty up. For, or he, you know, Marty jumps off, off a roof from Evil Biff. Um, and Doc Brown picks him up and then he, uh, he's like, Marty's like, he's just figured out that they, they're going to have to go back to the, the original, the, 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 where the events took place in the first movie. And he's like, Doc, you're never going to believe it. We have to go back to 1955. And Doc Brown's like, I don't believe it. And then it just cuts and there's, or it doesn't cut, but like they, they fly off and there's like the epic music and everything. And it's just such a hilarious, like the timing is, is spot on. And it, it, they deliver the lines so well, and it, it it just like it almost catches you off guard because the the movie actually got fairly dark for a second, where where Biff was mm-hmm. about to like shoot Marty, and he jumps off the building, and for a second you're like, uh, yeah, it's it's great, it's great, and it, it that sort of like ridiculous, but also ridiculous and fun, but also kind of dark mm-hmm. stuff. That that's what this movie does best, I feel like. Um, and kind of what yeah, the first, kind of what the first movie did best as well. Yeah, because again, it's it, it's rarely like laugh out loud funny, but it's just clever and it's snappy and it just goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. My um, uh, this is Britain, by the way. My uh, worst thing, I guess, would be, and this is such a minor thing. I feel like some of the the old age makeup in this is a little more cartoonish. Yep. I agree. Namely, not, on not nearly uh, as solid as the first movie. Yeah, namely on uh, Fox and Elizabeth Shue. And I thought it was kind of funny, too. I was talking to Alex about this, how 30 years have passed, but apparently in 30 years, Marty goes from being 17 to 65. <laughs> he's like, he's, they've really aged him. And I, it is part of the thing that he's made his life terrible, so that would have, like, aged his body more. But still, it's kind of a funny thing. Um, it's it's like how at the end of Star Wars Episode Three, Joel Edgerton is, is Uncle Owen. Yeah, And then in yeah. 20 years, he ages, like, 40. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and so that was just kind of something I noticed. Like I felt like the makeup, it, it looked more like makeup. It looked more like a a thing. That said, I loved when Doc Brown takes off his his old age, his makeup, his old age thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think on the other hand, my best thing would be the visual effects because the the having two actors, an actor sharing the screen with himself was really impressive. Oh yeah, especially that scene where where he's in the diner. Oh yeah, because I think what the, I I don't I still don't know exactly what they did. I need to watch some of this the behind the scenes stuff on this. Yeah, because um, some, sometimes a... yeah they can do stand ins and stuff when it's back to front. Exactly. But like when when Biff and older Biff are in the car just talking, that mm-hmm. it's not just impressive from a oh they got them to be like this. That the way they're interacting with the environment is largely really solid, and just the way the two the way Thomas F. Wilson is playing that scene, like he looks like he's talking. It's just so well edited, like. There are some Alex and I were talking earlier. There's a bit where Biff, young Biff, is holding the sports almanac and kind of tosses it up, yeah. and so it kind of becomes like a, like a little white outline because they have to mm-hmm. move it between the two things. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Like yeah. otherwise, well, but, it's a really solid thing. Yeah, and the especially one, with oh, sorry, go. Uh, the the one that really got me was just Marty grabbing his son after he gets thrown mm-hmm. over the bar. Yeah, I'm like that is seamless. Oh like, yeah. Like for a lot of them, I can tell like one of them's like either slightly blurry or it's slightly discolored and I think that becomes more of a problem when we get into the third one but we'll get there um but for some reason that one specifically with him having to grab himself yeah. like it's it's very well done and, absolutely and through the entire diner scene there's at first you're like I, I legitimately question at first if it's the same actor 
Mm-hmm. Like when he first, because like they, they the way they change the hair and everything, and I think there's something about maybe his makeup. They make him like a yeah. little more pale or something. They change it just enough to where you're like, is that is that the same person? Yeah. And like you have to, I, or at least for me, I had to actually like look at his face, like and and stare at it intently to be like, that's not that or that is Michael J. Fox, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the makeup is great, and they they obviously have great effects where they yeah, like you were talking about with the, the especially the like yeah, where he's got his his face like on the diner or the counter. And Marty's looking up at him, and they're, mm-hmm. so they're both like right there. Like it's great, yeah, it's really good. It, it blows my mind. Yeah, that was and that, that, that's that's those are effects that hold up really well today. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I, I, and best thing subset B would be I thought Thomas F. Wilson was really really good in this as Biff. Like I, I mean, he's not doing that much different from the first one. But it's in the same vein of what I liked about Crispin Glover in the first movie, where he plays different iterations of Biff. Yeah. I thought very well. Exactly. Um, and, and and also with this, Biff is still awful, but they don't go quite as far mm. with it in terms of like the sexual violence. Although they 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 get close, but not as close. Sure. But yeah, I just thought he did a, a really lovely job in this one. Oh, he's he's great because, and I, specifically what I notice is in the, like future Biff is very. He or I guess what's his name in the future? Is it Young Biff or is it Griff? Uh, Griff. Griff. Yeah, he um, he's like much more over the top than he was. Yeah. In the and, but it's not in like like the way he just says things is a lot a lot more manic and kind of mm-hmm. like freaked out. Like it's it's not that different. Again kind of like Crispin Glover. It's it's yeah. very similar. Very similar performance but he's taking it in a in a subtle different way. Yeah, and and old Griff is he plays or old Biff, he plays that amazingly yeah. where now he's kind of like this this uh old man who's kind of like finally wised up a bit and, and you know the, the the exchange between him and young Biff is great mm. oh it's so good it's so good yeah absolutely my favorite thing is the ending to the movie uh, specifically the fact that this is probably the greatest cliffhanger a movie has ever had I would agree because you know the doc gets struck by lightning and then he just disappears and you're like oh god did he just like die or like what like what happened and you get the reveal oh he's in the old west and the music starts and you get really excited and marty gets excited and then they do the bit from the end of the first one and then marty just runs into frame and grabs the dock and it's beautiful and it's it's ah it's it's so perfectly done and, and then really him just, like, completely passing out on the side of the road. And it, it zooms out as Marty's like, Doc, Doc, wake up. And he's, like, slapping him in the face. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the, the dramatic, heroic music while it's doing it. It's, it's perfect. Oh, yeah. To be concluded. Yeah. And then my version came with a preview for Back to the Future Part yep. 3. Mine did. I, so, I think they okay, all did. That, that's with all of them. Okay. I think that that's... actually played... I assume that actually played in the theater. I could be wrong yeah. with that. But since they filmed mm-hmm. so close together, I'd be really surprised if they... Yeah, mine it played before the credits. Could so. you? Yeah. yeah, you could really say the entire MCU is based off of that. Probably. Could you imagine if at the end of Matrix Reloaded they did the same thing, <laughs> and then everybody just walks out like, "Oh, there's another one." <laughs> uh-huh. I, but it's, it's just the scene with Sati. <laughs> it's just that. No, 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 no. It's the Oracle going. Cookies need love like everything does to be concluded. The Matrix <laughs> Revolutions. That'd be great. Oh, I, I thought. <laughs> I, I would have preferred if, if Keanu Reeves just runs up to, to Lawrence Fishburne and it's just like 
dude, we have to go back into the Matrix. <laughs> and he just faints. I don't dude, believe it. You gotta wake up. Dude. <laughs> and then it plays the Back to the Future theme. <laughs> so, my least favorite thing, I, I, I don't want to be the buzzkill here, but once again, the time travel logic makes no sense to me. I, I it might actually be even worse in this one for me. See, I honestly think the first... I don't know. I don't know. Explain yourself it, and then I will decide. There, <laughs> explain <laughs> yourself! There's one big thing that bothers me, and that's... Okay, so Biff, in 2015, he grabs the DeLorean and he goes back in time to give the almanac to young Biff. Why does the the future in 2015, why is that not changed to this new timeline when old Biff returns? <clears throat> excuse me, when he returns? Like, it's the same exact future. And then, yep. once Marty and Doc then take the DeLorean and go to 1985, then everything's changed. Doesn't make any sense. Carl Sagan would agree, would not agree with you. Carl Sagan could explain it. Carl Sagan said this is one of the best time travel movies ever made. I mean... Yeah, I agree. That's, yeah, it's still one of the best time travel movies ever I, made. I, I do understand. Given I, that the time travel doesn't make any sense. But once again, this movie... I, I feel like I didn't. I didn't does, but I feel like I didn't identify this well enough when I talked about the last one. This movie is not about the time travel. The time yeah. travel is a fun conceit for interesting things to happen with these characters. The time travel logic is not nearly as important, and because it's not taking itself so seriously, like say the Terminator movies, I shouldn't be questioning it as much. Also, I wouldn't say the time travel makes no sense. I do think that's a that's a, a, a dent in the armor. That's yeah. kind of the centerpiece of the plot. I agree. I agree. I've never thought of that, and it's 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 definitely. I, I, and that does, that does you can count. Make, I, you can make. Otherwise, though, I feel like the time travel works pretty well. It's it's flexible enough, and and again, not taking itself seriously enough that you can make the argument and be like, well, Doc and Marty are still displaced in time, and therefore, like, the future is set or something. Yeah, or it's open. The future is what they made for themselves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I mean that's fair. I've never thought of that. That's, that's a good. Point. I, I'm I'm sure there's other stuff I could point out as I was watching it, but just like just thinking about it as I was going, that was the big one that bothered me. Um, well, I don't know. I say that because Doc also has the argument that um, Marty's girlfriend and Einstein, because they were left in the they were left in the alternate timeline, but when they go back to fix the alternate timeline, the alternate timeline will go back to normal. And they were they will still be fine, which doesn't really make I, sense. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think it is worse in this as far as, the, but they also try to do a lot more with it, which is fair. Yeah, it, it, that's the thing. It's being a lot more ambitious, so it's like I can't really fault it all that much because it's trying to do more things, but it's the the cracks are, are yeah. deepening a bit. The first one is a lot more of a um a reflection of. It's basically just a reflection on the '50s from the perspective of, like an '80s teenager. It's like like that's a lot more what it's going for, and and it's a comedy. You know, the, this one is um, a lot more about the time travel, and so yeah. when they try to explore that more, they definitely run themselves into more holes when that becomes more of the plot. And it, and it does bother me that the first time the doc actually starts to explain the time travel is once the future's changed. Like I feel like before then, like we need a little <laughs> bit more explanation trying to. To give us this exposition instead of just him pulling out the chalkboard halfway through the movie and be like, it is skewed into this alternate tangent. Yeah. Um, 
Also, one thing I'll mention, this is just a funny coincidence, but the, like, and I would say it's a plot problem, but the movie does point out how kind of dumb it is. Um, it's just the coincidence of Biff specifically going back to that point in 1955, like right before Marty gets sent back to the future and right before the, the dance and all that stuff. And, and Doc goes, maybe that's like a centerpiece, like, like of the, of the time space continuum and everything's, it's all centered around that. Or maybe it's just a wild coincidence. Like, he has that line of dialogue. I'm like, okay, Robert Zemeckis, you know exactly what you're doing. I'm going to stop questioning it and enjoy the rest of the movie. In season three of Halt and Catch Fire, Mackenzie Davis says... Oh my god, you and your Halt and Catch Fire. It's a great show, but you need to stop. (laughs) Mackenzie Davis says, in that show, there is no future. You You need to stop. She says there's just a present. There is no future. This is the only time I've mentioned Halt and Catch Fire on No present, but what we made for ourselves. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Can I also mention that no. those walkie-talkies from the 50s, they reached over pretty far distances. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was uh, maybe they brought Maybe they were future walkie-talkies. I really he probably uh, gets them from his workshop. I'm don't don't quote me on that. Continue. I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, they're built they're built from nuclear energy. <laughs> in in this one, how there were a lot of a lot of there were a few factors. Where obviously, when they made the first one, they didn't think there was going to be a sequel, and then there is a sequel, and there we go. But inevitably, they weren't able to get some things to connect. Like they couldn't keep, uh, uh, uh. Claudia Wells, her mm-hmm. mother had been, had gotten sick, so she stuck out or she kept out. And uh, Crispin Glover, I think they wanted him in it. They were gonna, but he had voiced all these concerns about he didn't like the ending or something of the previous movie. Or oh, he I criticized it, was money. it. It was, and I think I think it it started. They offered him less money because he had created all. Of, he he had complained so much about the first one. Okay, and huh. he was like, "Well, I want more." And then there was lawsuits and all that. And they, I think he got like seven hundred and fifty thousand or something. Out. Wow. Because they settled, they settled out. Yeah, I mean, they still use footage of him, but like in the future. Oh, and that was part of it. That was that was. I think that's what he got the money out of. Okay, he, sure. he did sue them for using his likeness because he hadn't. It's the same thing with Hicks's picture yep. in Alien Three, where Michael Bean made more money from that picture yeah. in Alien Three for three seconds than he did for the entire shoot of Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Chris McGlover, I think he did sue them. I think they offered him less money because of the. Complaints, and he was like, "I don't like that. I'm not coming back." Oh, they still use me, so he sued them, and I think that subsequently affected rulings from for like the SAG union, the Screen Actors Union, about using an actor's likeness and having to pay or credit them or, or whatever, um, because he had, which I understandably so, they had used his image without his knowledge or consent. That's funny that um, they use it in this, or that that happened in this movie with so many like doubles and like interactions yeah. and stuff like that. But it wasn't even necessarily because like there was time travel involved that it became an issue it was just because they couldn't get the actor back yeah yeah. I don't know well, and, I guess, like, and I guess where I was originally going with it was they had these elements but they still they still managed to make the like watching this movie I did miss seeing Chris Glover's performance mm-hmm. but I never felt like oh my god if George were here this scene would make a lot more sense like, oh if you if you had told me it's him the whole way through like even in the future stuff like that's why they have him hanging upside down yeah. and covered in old man makeup so you cannot tell right like if you had told me 
Yeah, it's him the whole time. I wouldn't have questioned it. But also, like, just narratively, they managed to make the story make sense without a central character from the first movie is is pretty. It's yeah. pretty. It's, it's pretty. It's smartly written. It's smartly shot. That they own. They use them a lot less because of the situation they were in. But they managed to make it work. Yeah. It never felt like. Oh my god, yeah, they yeah. are really adjusting. They, they use the fact that, that he is killed in that alternate timeline and it actually means something. Yeah, and also that drives the forward the Biff thing. And, and I, I think that was really impressive, how they were able to go, oh, well, we have to make a sequel that we didn't know was happening. Okay, well, we, they, they connect it so well in, in most ways to the first one. Um, and then when they had these kind of curveballs thrown their way, they, they adapted really nicely. And obviously, they they run into the trick with Elizabeth Shue of going. I think Zemeckis was like, if I know there's going to be a sequel, I wouldn't have put her in the car at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, and they, they even have the the throwaway line when he knocks her out, and and uh, Marty goes, Doc, why'd you knock her out? Like, well, or he starts to explain, you know, I, I have to keep her from knowing too much about her future, and Marty goes, Well, why'd you bring her along then? And and the Doc goes, Well, she saw the DeLorean, and I didn't know what to do, so she, she's here. <laughs> I feel like that's that's Robert Zemeckis' like direct answer to the audience of why she's Pretty there. Much. Just calm uh, down. <laughs> and I love that. Why, why does she pass out again later in the movie? Uh, she sees herself as an old person. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Everything. And they use that as the excuse to keep her out for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I say? I'm I, old. I'm young. <laughs> uh. Uh, I love that. Uh, like it, it's weird to me, like thinking about the trilogy when I realized that Biff was always, or was originally George's rival, like, there's something really fun about the fact that they kind of turn him into Marty's, and, like, that becomes yeah. more of, like, a... Because, like, they're, they're 30 years apart, but, like, they end up... It's 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 really fun how they bring that rivalry in, mm. into the picture with, with, like, the two of them, the fact that they're, they're such different ages. But, like, Marty interacts with all the different ages, and, like, they become... It's really fun. I really enjoy that. Even coming down to, like, Biff's little uh, speech where he's, like... Oh, two McFlies with the same gun. Like, like obviously they're they're going for that, where it's like, yeah, Biff is just the mortal enemy of this family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did we feel about the movie just like completely tonally shifting when they go back to the eighties? Like, did you guys you think mean... that was too much? Where it turns oh, yeah. into like okay. almost a post-apocalyptic nightmare. Yeah. There was yeah. something very Escape from New York about that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I really enjoyed just the gag of, of him showing up into the, the, the black girl's room and then the father just... I, I really yeah. wish the father was Sam Jackson. I know... Yeah. Is it, he did look like him from it, Black Stuff. a few Mom, years though. before Sam Jackson got popular, but that would have been great if he ran in. Just started swinging at Marty with a bat. That's great. And then he runs into the drunk guy from the first one. Very Red. briefly. Yeah. Red. Red. Yeah. And then uh, Strickland... That was, oh, that's that great was... where Strickland just gets like shot at and then he pulls up the shotgun to Marty's like what's going on yeah <laughs> so there are two fun cameos in this movie one is Elijah Wood mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we mentioned he... that on the last podcast right yeah yeah he's in the diner when they're like he's like video game it's that. a baby's toy and then the other one baby's is... toy this is more of a cult cameo so Mar- Mar- uh, Michael J. Fox plays himself his older self his son, Marty Jr., and his daughter, Marlene. Um, however, he does not provide the voice for Marlene. Thank God. Marlene is, is dubbed... Davis? No, it's not. <laughs> she was two years old when this movie was made. Prodigy. She is. 
You know, she did a movie called Breathe In by Drake Doremus. It was in 2000. With Felicity Jones. By Drake by Bell, what? Drake Doremus. <laughs> or Doremus. She did a movie with Felicity Jones, and my I couldn't handle it. Um, she, uh, Marlene is voiced, uh, is dubbed over by Gray Delisle. Delisle. She is one of the greatest voice actresses on the planet right now. She is Azula in Avatar, The Last Airbender. She's Mandy from Billy and Mandy. She's <laughs> Catwoman in a bunch of the video Catwoman video games. Um, she was Lore on The Weekenders. She's in a ton of stuff, and she's amazing. And I just, I, the only reason I know that is I was reading the IMDb trivia, but it, it was like, yeah, Mar- uh, Michael J. Fox didn't do his own <laughs> uh, female voice. It was Grey Delisle, which I thought was Delisleful. That was off the dome. I didn't even see that one coming. Using Skype is fun because I can see my own smile whenever I make a bad joke. (laughs) And it makes me like myself less. (laughs) Because now I see what the world sees. And it ain't pretty, guys. Um, Does somebody else want to talk about the movie? Before I (laughs) deal with this? But yeah, Tyler, what what did you think? Did you think it was like a huge tonal shift? Did that bother you at all? I agree. I I think that's where a lot of my issues with the, the movie come in that I think that's actually I, I think the, the, the alternate 1985 is my favorite section of the movie like I, I love it when he goes to Biff's yeah. casino hotel thing and seeing what happened to his mom and figuring out what happened to his father and then confronting Biff and figuring out what happened with the almanac and everything like I really love that stuff um, it's not you know in terms of all the time travel and everything that's like the least creative section of the movie just because it's very, it's it's pretty straightforward. Sure, like it's it's the most straightforward part of the movie, but I like that yeah. about it. Yeah, it's fun. I like it a lot. Um, it feels kind of like the point where where we start turning. I mean, it really is the point where we start turning Biff from a kind of joke villain into like an actual like a monster. Yeah, some someone who can actually like sustain two movies worth of being a, a terrible person. Yeah. Instead of just being a, a, a funny bully guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it, I, I do think that the movie has tonal issues and I think that a lot of it stems from this part. But it's, it's they manage not to let it get too dark, I think, for it to really be a problem. Uh, they get close, yeah. I think. But for the most part, I really enjoy it. Can I just say, like, you were talking about the performances earlier and how everybody's having to play different ages mm-hmm. and stuff. I think just the range that Michael J. Fox has to play with Marty, like, it's a lot more than the first one called yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, The first one's just like, be cool. Okay, now be surprised that you're in the past. Yeah, just gotta be bewildered at everything. Yeah. And, and in this one, like, he's gotta feel, like, complete anguish and depression when he reaches that alternate 1985. Oh, yeah, no, he was... Like, his reaction to to seeing his father's tombstone, Mm. like, that is great acting. Yeah, he's wonderful in this. And and then on the comedy side, I really loved when they go back to the 50s and the doc's, like, just gives him inconspicuous, like, like a leather jacket and, like, the hat, (laughs) the big glasses. And I love all of him, like, tracking Biff and, like, ducking behind the... Those are some great camera work. Yeah. Uh, Him ducking behind the thing. Oh, man. And I know that Michael J. Fox is not a tall guy. I wonder how tall... I'm, I'm going to look up how tall Thomas F. Wilson is, because I know it's... They, I think they each make each other look more exaggerated, because mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox is not a tall person. 
But Thomas F. Wilson looks massive in this yeah, movie. Yeah. Like, he looks... I, I feel like he's... Well, they, they keep doing the shot. It's, it's sort of like... It's the poetry it rhymes type thing yeah. where it's it's Marty standing up and then it's from the shoulder view mm-hmm. on Biff or Griff as he rises up and Marty realizes how tall he is. Yeah. Like, obviously that's something that they keep mirroring. He's 6'3". Six, six, okay. Michael J. Fox is 5'4". Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Um... Do you think it's a problem that they go back to, like, the stuff from the first movie and just kind of repeat it? And I guess that you could argue the same with the future stuff, with, like, the, the chase scene with the uh, hoverboard yeah. and all that. Um, uh, St- uh, Robert Zemeckis, his big statement when he was talking about this movie was, you know, people want the same thing, but they want it a bit differently. I, I think that it... And that, that very much is a through line for this whole franchise I think yeah. same thing but different well I, I think that with, with this one they make enough they, they, they play enough on the 50s stuff that we see it from like these other angles yeah. and it's kind of happening in the background a lot so that they don't literally replay entire moments yeah. or entire scenes you get little pieces of it just enough to know okay this is about where we are but it's mostly like them showing off the effects and Marty just being like, was witnessing it happen. Yeah. I really, one of my favorite things comedically in this movie is the guy that kept going, keeps going, he took his wallet. I think he took his wallet. I think he took your wallet. He took his wallet. It's just like four times in the movie. I, I didn't it's think so it was funny. I didn't think it was very funny. I love well, it. Well, let's, all right, this is the last episode of the podcast. Mostly just, I, I, I was waiting I like for you to go to do your own sp- podcast. <laughs> I think that I think that was the joke though. Is that the guy's just obsessed with yeah. pointing out the wall? I, 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 I feel like if Strickland That's had walked up and responded or something, maybe I, I don't know. Um, also, I just found out thanks to my, my the internet. Do you guys remember the episode of SpongeBob uh, where he uh, was at school and he got bullied by Flats the and Flounder? And Mackenzie Davis showed up. <laughs> Flats says he wants to kick my butt, and so does Mackenzie Davis. Flats the Flounder is voiced by Biff Tannen. She's vo- he's voiced I by Thomas Wilson. I think I didn't yeah, know that actually. That's awesome. I didn't know that. And, Tyler, uh, I believe you told me I was going to say, I think I found that out last time we, we watched these movies. Also, if Mackenzie Davis were in Spongebob, she'd play an angelfish. <laughs> or a grouper. <laughs> she'd be a really good squid. We need to stop this now. I, I have brought her up once. You, you could almost the ones say, keep bringing up Mackenzie You could Davis. almost say we need to halt this. <laughs> I would say what? You could almost say we need to halt this before the podcast catches fire. I brought it up at the beginning of the thing, and you guys keep bringing it up ever since. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's all our faults. Yeah. Now it is. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm playing off of what you're saying. Uh huh. Yeah. Listen, play it back. Play the tapes back. You'll see. I was really hoping that an angelfish was like a really ugly fish. <laughs> like I looked it up. They're they're actually they're they're fairly pretty. They got they got they're lots lovely. of colors. They're nice yeah. little fish. That's fine. Yeah, they're nice little fish. <laughs> so that's so we don't upset the maritime viewers sure. off the coast of like Savannah, Georgia, or whatever. Oh, or Newfoundland. We went, for, we went for very different places there. <laughs> we got them all along the east coast, man. Working on the west coast, not there. Uh, out there around Saroon around Malta. We haven't penetrated the markets over there yet, but the east coast no, we, not got, quite we got yet. on lock. We got on lock. Hey, Malta, get a tree. <laughs> The the part where he's the line with the uh, um that's about as useless as a or you're about as useless as a screen door on a battleship. 
And he's like, it's a submarine, you idiot. And he's just like watching him and he just says that to himself. Marty says that to himself. Oh, it's great. And the part Make where... like a tree and leave. The, yeah, the part, the part where Old Biff yeah, scolds him for being an idiot is great. Oh, I love yeah. it. I do like, despite how much I've been making or talking about how I don't like the time travel stuff very much in this one, or how it's been giving me problems at least, um, I do like that it is Marty's fault. And it all centers from a character mistake. Yeah. The fact that he bought the almanac for mm-hmm. very immoral purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciate that that... Yeah, yeah. Everything that... For the rest of the movie, that it is all based on the repercussions from that. Well, and that was something that I... When it happened, I was like, oh, this is like a bit. This is like a one-off joke about yeah, him going, ah, I'm going to get rich. And we're like, ha oh, cool. Not real... And then I realized... Oh no! This is the rest of the movie, yeah. which is a really cool thing. Like if it had just been Biff steals the DeLorean and he goes back in time and tells his yeah. younger self certain things, like that wouldn't have had nearly no, the, no, no. the punch, right? But since it's Marty's fault, he feels solely responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. and and I, and again, like it just it makes everything feel more organic. Like in in a movie where obviously we're dealing with time travel, so we should, we're not going to get bogged down by oh, is this realistic? Could this really happen? But that's a very understandable moment. We're like, yeah, I get that. Like in this world, he buys something, loses it, and then it creates all these problems. Yeah, I, it's very organic that way. Yeah, and it's an interesting um, way of doing it, where the movie doesn't follow the kind of like, I think the way a lot of time travel movies like to do it now, where I don't really have any examples, so I'm kind of just basically I'm talking about the butterfly effect thing, where people are yeah. like. Oh, you know, it's a time travel idea. Like, you go back in time, then it, everything falls apart, and you have no idea what the future's going to be like. Whereas this is a lot more... Everything's pretty stable, but if you, make an, if you make an obvious change, that change will cause change. And, like, it, it's... They, they do it in a way that allows them to tell a good story without mm-hmm. completely going off the rails. I, enjoy, I appreciate and, that yeah. a lot. And that's something that is really impressive about this and the last movie, is that they... A lot of movies, especially nowadays, would just sort of rest on their gimmick and just be like, the 50s are different, let's make jokes. Or time travel, whoa! But they're, Zemeckis and Gale are clearly dedicated to telling a story mm-hmm. and making it make sense and making it work. And the time travel becomes a set piece and it becomes a backdrop. It's a catalyst and there's a reason for it. It has its place in the story, but it's not... Um, I don't know. It, I, I like that it doesn't just get lazy about. We got time travel. That's really all people want to see is that we'll make a bunch of dumb jokes and we'll make money. Yeah. Like there's clearly a creative oh, you force mean, like, behind this. Terminator Genesis. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna think of a funny alternate. Terminator but, Genesis like, does. Feel oh, we'll like... just we'll just go forward <laughs> to the future because apparently we can time travel into the future now. Who Terminator cares? Genesis Whatever. does feel like a movie where that that is an example of time travel that is much less thought out and much right. less purposeful to the story. It's because, much spoiler more, alert, both of those things are true. It's much more about fan service. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and this one didn't... And by this, obviously, we were four years removed from the first one, where clearly this movie had already had a pretty big cultural impact. And so they, they definitely... and it, it, The callbacks they do to the first movie don't feel cheap. They they work, and they're fun, and it's... I don't know. This movie does... This movie learns most of... Most sequels learn the wrong lessons from their predecessors, and I think this one learned the right ones. Well, yeah. even like... There, there's a serious risk that you take repeating, like, even when he goes back to the 50s and you're seeing the events from the first yeah. movie, there's a serious risk that it's just going to play, like, a best clips show. Right. 
And, and it's like, oh, remember this funny joke? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they do it just differently enough. And even the the moment where Marty, after he gets out of Strickland's office and he sees his dad punch Biff. Yeah. And he's just like, wow, deja vu. And, like, he's taking in the moment and truly appreciating how important yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just a touch like that. Like, I feel like just any normal, just generic uh, studio director would completely like that would be cut out of the yeah. movie like that that would be like not even thought of and that's why i think one of the reasons these movies last is because there's something sincere to them and there's a sincere attempt oh these movies are probably the most likable movies They're i have ever very seen. endearing i was really touched by the conversation doc brown has with himself yeah. when he runs i thought oh, that was just a really sweet little moment and like it wasn't saccharine it wasn't sappy or anything but just the way that the two the two Christopher Lloyds interacted and like the dialogue and everything it's just it's it's kind of funny but mostly it's just nice it's just a nice <laughs> little moment because you know the, the doc is this very wacky character but then they go well here here's a moment where like him running into his older his younger self is not wackadoo crazy comedy uh-huh. it's just no this is just him it, this is a character it's just sweet it's just a nice mm-hmm. If you could interact with your younger self, and and he's going, I can't actually let him see me and screw things up, and they don't make it this big. Oh, here's another wacky thing, and they just go, no, it's just this nice little moment, and then he goes off um, to see cowboys. I'm just imagining the terrible version of this, where like a hack director is going, oh, you know what the end of the movie needs to be? It's 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 the 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 the, the Back to the Future two Marty meets the Back to the Future one Marty. Like that's the end of the movie. That's the big cliffhanger. And they have the a end. dance off. And they have a dance off. <laughs> that's the end. That's the end credit stinger right there. Or, or better yet, um, Back to the Future two Marty or Back to the Future yeah Back to the Future two Marty comes back and and joins and does a duet a guitar duet. Oh yeah. And they both guitar like rock metal. out. What yeah. future decade would y'all travel to if you could travel to a future decade? <laughs> I would just go to whichever decade they finally invent grape ice cream. I thought you were going to say I was going to go to the what decade they invented cloning so I can get my own McKinney Davis. <laughs> She's alive now. I don't need a clone. And then, because here's the thing. Here's the bone I have to pick with this. There's documented proof I didn't bring her up then, Alex. <laughs> but he's sure going to run with it. Of course. And I didn't even run as far as I could have. The point is, let me talk about ice cream. We, there is... He gr- put... Tyler put the loaded gun on the table. You didn't have to pick it up and then fire off every round. <laughs> I fired one round into I the I think container. we just need to continue complaining about how much Britain talks about Mackenzie Davis. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, I learned my lesson. I'll never mention something at the beginning of a podcast for it to be constantly brought up again. See, now if you guys just did this with me whenever I bring up Zack Snyder, then I. Oh, this you can't stop him from. It also should be pointed out by responding to when he pitches me the ball by swinging at it, I am following the one rule of improv, which is don't never say no. Never say no. That's a rule of comedy. You always, yes and, yes and. There is a grape everything. There's grape airheads. There's grape, probably like sherbet or something, but screw that. There are so many different grape sodas and juice and chairs. I don't know. But there's not a grape ice cream. I'm not sure that's true. And I, th- and I think that we are in need of it. 
and that's the future decade I would travel to. Alex? <laughs> I looked up grape ice cream. Just because I, I knew that had to exist. Someone had to have made it. Um, and? Oh. No, okay. <gasps> never mind. Um, I guess there isn't. Exactly. Some, some have tried. That's weird. Um, however, you, man. however, the thing that made me laugh is the fact that the, the top result was kind of like what, what Google will do, although they'll put like a Wikipedia article, like the first yeah. part of a Wikipedia article up. Yeah, the yeah. article says, grape ice cream is ice cream with a grape flavor. That's the first <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Why did you need to explain that? I'm just saying there's banana ice cream, which doesn't taste like nothing. We could use some grape ice cream. What future decade would you want to go to, Alex? The future where there's a Batman movie you like all you, the time? No, uh, the first thing I thought of was the the future where there's a DCEU movie that I like. <laughs> Which, at, at whatever decade that is, maybe it could be this one. Maybe it'll be sooner than we think. Probably not. How long not. do you think the DCEU is going to last? Do you think it will last? In the, can we count it in decades? No. <laughs> 2019. We're sorry. <laughs> we made a Blue Beetle movie. We didn't know what to do. And that ends up being the best one. Here you go. We, it's, it was it's... starring Gary Busey. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> Fun fact about Gary Busey, speaking of the 50s, he played Buddy Holly in a movie. Mm. He's really good in it. He got an Oscar nomination for it. The Buddy Holly story is a great... He sings in it and he plays the guitar. Way better than I thought it would be. My mom and I were talking about how if I could time travel, I could go back in time and save Buddy Holly from getting on the train. Or the plane, excuse me. Yeah. But she was like, yeah, but then Don McLean would never write American Pie. And I said, and then Weird Al Yankovic would never make the parody about Phantom Menace. Yeah, I can't lose that. Never mind. We got to... There's I can't two. Lose it's that. one. It's two. It's one. It's too risky. I, you got to have the saga begins, Butterfly man. You got to have it. <laughs> um, Jeez. I love how Fun long fact. we actually lasted talking about Back to the Future Part 2. We'll get back. And in the last 10 minutes, just, uh, whatever. I do have actually more things to say about it. Um, fun fact. Just don't make it about Zack Snyder, because there, <laughs> there is a great um, song that... What, what's the actor who plays Biff's name? Um, Thomas F. Uh, F. Thomas Wilson. Thomas F. Wilson. Okay. Um, he <laughs> made a, a song... Uh, answering all of the questions. I might put it like at the end of the podcast or something. Um, he made a song um, answering all the questions people ask him about playing Biff. Oh, wow. And there's a random, or like, like it's, just, it's really great. It's really funny. Um, there's a random question where someone asked him who's the meanest guy in Hollywood, and he says Gary Busey. And it's all in song, and she's like, what's happening? I think he says the nicest is Adam Sandler. So that's something. I've heard that actually. But, no, I've heard. I'm um, really and truly. I've heard Adam yeah, Sandler is just like the most too. normal. I've heard, it, I've heard it before from other people too. Yeah, like no ego, just like a sweet guy. Yeah, he I've better heard. not have an ego with the crap he pulls. Well, everyone says like he makes all these movies. <laughs> everyone, Shots fired. Everyone says he makes these movies to employ his friends because yeah. he has a, a lot of friends who don't get to work very much and whose movies are very successful. So it's like have mine. Yeah, his movies that should have like two million dollar budgets have like. 80 million dollar budget because it takes his friends on extravagant vacations and they just happen to shoot a movie while they do so how mad would you be at me if I said hey Alex I'm gonna go make a movie in the Bahamas do you wanna come 
be in the movie for a couple of minutes, but really go on vacation. Oh, do we get to make a cheap piece of crap that'll do nothing for my career? Since when are you an actor? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> Would you really turn that down? You're an MIS major. Sounds like a miss major to me. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> got him. You got him now and again. Speaking of double work, have you guys seen Jack and Jill? <laughs> Can we just? We'll just do a bunch of like Adam Sandler movies. It's the next franchise. Like Jack and Jill, the okay. ridiculous six. Yeah, bring, no, br- bring, I couldn't do that. Bringing this back in a little bit, something related. Um, yeah, I would. Robert Zemeckis, I guess he's only really directed a handful of movies that are like super, super successful. I mean, he's he's made several that are like more than most directors ever did. Um, but because he, he's made he made the three of these, he made Forrest Gump, he made Castaway, made. Um, who framed Robert? Who framed oh, yeah. Roger Rabbit? Um, Love that movie. And then he made a Polar Express, and I think those are like yeah. the biggest hits he's made. Those are probably. I mean, he made a lot of really well received movies like Flight. Um, okay. Allied was fairly well received. Um, oh God, there's a there's a bunch. Apparently, he is in talks. Some insider source said that he is in talks to do the Flash. Well, I thought they I they immediately said that he. Um pretty much like a few days later wasn't that immediately shot down is like yeah those talks fell apart oh was it I'm pretty sure whatever it doesn't matter let's not date the podcast too much that would make (laughs) me feel good (sighs) I feel like you looked through his filmography last time I did well uh, Contact was pretty big and What Lies Beneath they were both pretty big okay Contact isn't that Interstellar before Interstellar I guess I haven't seen it I feel like it's oh and Romancing the Stone which is big Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has had a but, he has had more hit movies than I mean he ma- he makes generally good movies as far as I haven't seen much of his recent stuff. I'm just saying like his ability to set up emotional payoff oh man is is just so good and and, very, and very his good. use of of running plot lines. Like I said I was complaining about the chicken thing, but at least he knows how to use it and bring it up even if it's not a plot point I particularly think is good. Yeah, and he knows it's how that, to set up yeah. the beats and everything. He's so great at doing that, and and that comes up again in, in Forrest Gump and Castaway, like a ton. And, and it's, it's... one. And the biggest problem with the chicken thing is is not how it's used; it's that it's treated as a known, yeah, uh, a known factor, and it's not exactly. But once you it's like, it's not going to be a problem in three. <laughs> like I already know, like it's not going to because I'm like, yeah, well, that was established in the last movie. Mm. But that's the only problem. But otherwise, like you said, the way they actually utilize it in two it works. Like yeah. in every scene, I'm like, I didn't know he felt this way about the word chicken. But sure, in this you moment, have, you I have told us a thing, and now we have we are accepting it. So yeah, and again, in a movie that does so many things right, I'll take it. <laughs> that's fine. I was gonna say, how do we feel about Elizabeth Shue versus Claudia Wells? But we really don't get much of a glimpse into what Elizabeth Shue's doing with the character. So. She, I, I do find it amazing that they had to reshoot the whole opening just because she's there. I also want to point out, she has more Oscar nominations than the rest of the cast put together. Hmm. Interesting. Meaning she has one Oscar nomination. Sure. Oh. Christopher Nolan oh. never got anything? No. Really? Not yet. Michael J. Fox has like 27 Emmys huh. um, from uh, uh, Family Ties and Spin City. Um, Didn't he also... Wasn't there a show that was like the Michael J. Fox show or something? Yeah. It was very short-lived, but okay. yeah, it was, it was more recent. Um, and, and I think he has some guest actor Emmys as well from like The Good Wife and, and Scrubs and stuff. I mean, he's 
He's got tons of Emmys, but no Oscars. Hmm. And Lloyd never got nominated. And then, like, Leah Thompson and Crispin Glover. Neither. Sure. Um, but yeah, just thought that was interesting. And her, her nomination was for Leaving Las Vegas, featuring Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage. Oh, uh, yes. Just saying. Nicolas Cage. Star of National Treasure. The next franchise we'll be doing on... There's only two of them, right? There's only two. Yeah. There's only two. Why don't so we just far... combine them with the Night at the Museum? They're not really <gasps> oh, the I was same. Gonna say yeah. the Divin- I was going to say the Da Vinci Code movies, because those are pretty much the same Let's thing. do them all. Do them all. It'll be fun. I liked Inferno. That's the only one I've seen. The Da Vinci Code is basically just Nicolas Cage, the, the Nicolas Cage uh, National Treasure movies without, like, the Disney, like, <laughs> family-friendly version. Yeah. And also, probably not as good, actually, from what I've heard. I've only seen Inferno. I couldn't tell you. I've heard none of them are particularly great. Yeah, Inferno's fine. You're fun, Connor. Which, maybe. like, I will, I will joke about National Treasure being an amazing franchise. It's fine. Like, I don't think. Sure. It's, I've, I've never I've, seen I've, it. I've, you've never seen either of them. No. National Treasure. Mackenzie yeah. Davis wasn't in it. What was the point of uh, watching it? Even like, who cares? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Britain has transcended into self-parody. <laughs> I've become self-aware. Um, they're fun. I don't know yeah. why I like to I like to watch I love movies like that I love like globe trotting kooky adventures and every once in a while Nicolas Cage acts like a weirdo sure every once in a while nah Sean Bean's in the first one. Oh, there you guys there's a selling point right there man yeah I love him do we have anything else to say about this one <laughs> I like cowboys oh I was gonna say um going off the emotional thing <laughs> um the I, I do think that the Almanac stuff where where Mar- it's Marty's fault that it all happens. Like, I know he brings it up several times where he's like, Doc, this is all my fault! Um, I kind of wish they did a little more with that at the end um, to show that he had kind of grown as a character when he burns it. Because he kind of just does it. Like, there's not really a whole lot of him like, questioning it, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know. I feel well, like there's... I mean- I, I kind of disagree with that take because they do take a moment like he does just stand there and like absorb what's happening, like as he's burning it. He's he, like like I he's guess, taking in what this moment is supposed to mean and how important this is. I guess for me it was more. I kind of wish there there'd been a shot where he had like looked at it and and like like something where it seems like he's actually thinking about it about not burning it. I don't know. Well, I mean. I don't know. Once you see your father's tombstone, yeah. I think that kind no, of goes I, I, out I the know, window. But I'm just, I'm saying they need. I feel like I needed something else emotionally, other than just like, okay, he burnt. Like I know he he's acting with his his emotions and everything, but I wish there they there just been something a little bit further to give me some sort of emotional connection to that. I don't know. This is this is my take, and it's a good one. <laughs> Alex, and you're we off the like podcast. You. you are liked. <laughs> I really enjoyed the look of the future. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was funny. Um, Obviously, now that we have lived past that point in time, we can kind of go, oh, we don't have those things, but who cares? Like, it's it's still like, they have some really cute ideas. Um, Like, the hoverboards I thought were really fun. Um, And, like, I don't know. I thought it was all pretty neat looking, and... I agree. Elijah Wood's and little hat. I love. Yep, I love that they just kind of went for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like it because Robert Zemeckis had said he was like, oh well, anytime anyone. Th- th- I think the main reason he said he didn't want to do a sequel was because he was like, anytime anyone does the future, they get it completely wrong. 
Right. And I feel like he was just kind of like, well, screw it. And just... Yeah. Go for it. You know... I liked, I liked the, uh, the Jaws 19. Yeah. The Jaws 19. <laughs> now it's really, really personal. That was, yeah, which is great. Because uh, Spielberg's in it. Spielberg produced it. But also, I loved that then when they go to the 80s shop, there's like a copy of Jaws in the, oh, in the, the first Jaws. I didn't catch that. Like in the window, yeah. Which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I love just like those, these little jokes between Zemeckis and Spielberg through these mm-hmm. through these movies are pretty fun. Um, it also helps that these movies are distributed by Universal, the same people who do the Jaws movies. Yeah, exactly. Sure. That also and the big helps. holographic shark comes out and attacks. Still not scary. And even Bermek, the the mayor, his son is like yeah. a tech guy. Like oh, that's, that's pretty cute. Like I don't know. I just want to keep inserting the George Lucas bit of it's like poetry, it rhymes, but it actually makes sense in this context. Like, it's supposed to rhyme. It's supposed to be the the, it, the past repeats, and yeah. like there's a mirror effect, you know? These movies I, are great. I, I oh, realized yeah. that my, my favorite type of poetry is actually, like, free poetry, where you just kind of put words <laughs> on a page and, and <laughs> tell people that, that they're supposed to enjoy it, because you a, made B, good a, poems before. rhyme scheme is... Very boring. <laughs> that fits way too well with how he wrote the prequels. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of rhyming. <laughs> the galaxy we live in is very, really quite far. I pray this kiss does not become a scar. You know, if you told, if you you could convince me that that was actually a line from the prequels, you really could. <laughs> I would be like, you know, I don't remember that, but I, yeah, probably. Let's do grades. <laughs> but princess, we have to get you back to Naboo. Who? Misa? No. You. Sa. That wasn't good. Cut that part out. <laughs> Cut Seriously, that part. Like, 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 Cut that part out. Take, oh god, just broke my hand. Or take it and put it like 20 times throughout the episode with no explanation <laughs> until we get to No, it sounds point. like I'm just whispering in the background. And then, like... No, and then cut out the context. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my grade will be A minus. I still feel really great about it. You know what? Maybe slightly less so than the first one. Whatever. You know what? Yeah, A minus. Okay. Whatever. I'm fine. Tyler? Oh, no, you go. I'm curious to see where... where... I want to see what our distribution is going to be. All of this will drift away anyway. Like, none of it matters. (laughs) I feel like I'm always stuck between two two grades, and I don't quite know which way to go. Yeah. I'm stuck between B minus and B. Mm. Okay. Because... Like tell, tell me a little about that. How's that feel? <laughs> I don't need your crap right now. I'm not giving you crap. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> See, I can't tell whether you're attacking me or not. You're just that good an actor. I, I am. I'm, I'm not attacking you. You're me. almost as good as Mackenzie did. <laughs> I, I should be so lucky. <laughs> now, Tyler, it is your fault. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I made a, oh, I made a relevant joke. Oh, boy. This is oh what boy. I get. I think I'll go B. Um, it's still a lot of fun. It still includes everything that worked about the first one, but it's just a lot of the flaws in the first one are made more significant here for me. Um, but it still has a wonderful cliffhanger, and I love it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going with B. Which, by the way, still means I like the movie. Take that, internet. <laughs> And apparently I liked it more than most of the critics. Yeah. Wow. What did I get Jurassic World? 
B minus. I think I'm. I think I'm going B minus for this as well. I'm oh my Gorn! <laughs> Just because I. I think, as much as I like the first one, and there, as much as there are there is fun stuff in this, I do think that there's. I don't know. I probably haven't articulated this nearly well enough to justify that grade. But that's just kind of how I was feeling going in. Um, just in general, a lot of the problems I have are bigger problems than I might have, like, explained. As far as, like, the tonal stuff, I feel like there's a lot of... There's there's an air of cynicism that's not quite as... I don't know. Now I'm, th- I'm second-guessing myself. I don't know. I don't know where I am because now I'm thinking about we didn't really talk that much about the 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 like third act in general, mm. which is actually like I do think is brilliant. Oh, me too. I loved it. <sighs> nope, nope. We're going. We're going hard turn. I'm going B plus. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm swinging. Wow. I'm swinging. All right. I was kind All of right. only thinking about the first two acts of the movie, and then I was like. Why did I like this movie as much? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> just, just put B plus. Okay. I'm having a crisis of con of conscience. See here. now it's now now it's an easy change because I can just write in the little, 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 little line on the plus. You know. Actually, I think I want to do a C. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't help you. Your gra- your grades your grades in ink right here. It's 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 set. We're done. <laughs> Go home. Friendly people that I like to meet. They shake my hand but never ask my name. And they start asking questions that are always the same. Hey, what's Michael J. Fox like? He's nice. What's Christopher Lloyd like? Kinda quiet. What's Crispin Glover like? Unusual. Stop asking me the question. I went to the bar mitzvah of my nephew Josh. Now I'm not Jewish, but I like to nosh. Put on my yarmulke, started to pray. When the rabbi leaned over around, I heard him say, Hey, was that real manure? No, it wasn't. How was that DeLorean? A piece of garbage. Do those hoverboards really fly? It's a movie. Stop asking me the question. Can we take your picture? Come on, look mean. Would you call my friend a butthead on his answering machine? Questions, questions fill my head. I went to my doctor, my doctor said, What does a key grip do? Set up lights. What does the best boy do? Help the key grip. What does a producer do? I don't know. Stop asking me the question. Do you all hang out together? No, we don't. How's Crispin Glover? I never talked to him. Back to the future for not happening. Stop asking me the question. Hey, who's the nicest famous guy? You know, Adam Sandler. Who is the biggest jerk? Gary Busey. How much money do you make more than you do? So stop asking me the question. <laughs> <laughs>